hello. Welcome to The People Show. It is Josh Elliott Wolf here with you for the next hour. No Bic Nazar today. He Coward. Will be, he will be back tomorrow. I Coward. Assume, I assume. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. You can text in 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center. Or our beauties in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Dominic Schramatti is here with me. Victor Gauthier is here with me as well. So to outline why Satin Vic are not here on the shows today, Central following us. Yeah. Uh, they went to the Seahawks-Browns game yesterday. Mind you, that game started at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It did. And they are home. They didn't. I don't believe they stayed the night in Seattle. Well, let them enjoy their their night, though. You know why they couldn't be here? Because Vic said he was going to ruin his voice screaming Yeah. in Sat's face. So he was like preemptively, he knew what was going to happen at the game, and he planned accordingly. It's a cowardly move, man. Also, they both worked Friday night and Saturday night. So? so I don't know. I don't Let's know if you know see. this, but I'm the producer. Oh. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that Dominic Schumati is the producer of the 32 Thoughts of Podcast. Is, is that, that what it's it? called? It's I, little, well, I hadn't heard of it. It's a little show. I haven't heard of it five times before every show I do with Dom. Um, but yes, Bick will be back tomorrow. Sat might need an extra day off to recover. I don't know. Probably not. Well, he'll be back tomorrow. And you lose to Geno Smith and the Seahawks. That's tough. And the Browns have been good this year. We'll get into all of that at 3.30. Uh, we'll also be joined by Jen Mueller of Root Sports who will help us break down yesterday's game. The Seahawks also find themselves at the top of the NFC West at the moment, and the Niners are having their issues. So maybe this is the year. Maybe the Seahawks can win the division. We'll get into that. But before the Seahawks game yesterday, it was a very, very impressive weekend for your Vancouver Canucks. A win, a 5-0 shutout win against the St. Louis Blues on Friday. And then Saturday, they played the Rangers, second half of a back-to-back for the Canucks. The Rangers were in town Friday. They had a bit of rest. And uh, the Canucks looked really good once again. Lost in overtime, but I would say they were controlling play. They had some uh, they had some ref moments that kind of went against them. And um, that, that was kind of how it shook out for the Canucks. But... All that being said, in a back-to-back, if you're able to take three of four points, that's really, really good. And you'll take that uh, most times in a back-to-back situation, especially when the second half of that back-to-back is against a very difficult team like the New York Rangers, who do have, maybe they're not cup favorites, but they have cup aspirations this season, and they do expect to go far in the playoffs. So um, the last four games have kind of been like litmus tests for the Canucks to see, hey, like you played the Predators, you played the Blues. Those are two teams you kind of expected to be in the wild card chase and and be around where the Canucks might be. So you want to see how Vancouver stacks up against them. And not only did they hold their own against both those teams, the Preds and the Blues, I think they looked really, really good and completely controlled play in both of those games. So that's really, really encouraging for the Canucks. And then again, you have the the we're kind of going back now but they have the Saturday before game against uh the Panthers where 
They they looked decent as well. Maybe not as good as they did against the Blues and Predators. And then you have the game against the Rangers where they again these these things that had been being had been preached over the offseason, the structure and the improved defense and the ability to stay in games and, and control play. That's what we're seeing from the Canucks that maybe we didn't really see in the like going back to the first game of the season. That's kind of an outlier, but then their two losses, regulation losses on the year, and that one second game against Edmonton where hey, they were kind of getting caved in. There was worry that maybe the Canucks of old were rearing their ugly head. They've kind of put that to rest in the past few games. And I have some numbers we'll get into as well. Dom, do you like numbers? They never lie. That Well, sometimes they lie. Sometimes they exaggerate the truth. You know, what's your favorite number? Are your 32? numbers going to? No. Oh, well. Whoa. It should be. I should have said yes. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's my, th- You're about my to get number. Thirty. very bad phone call. Um, I was more of a 31 guy. I will say 31, to me, did sound better as well. That was an era. Yeah. That was an era. Uh, regardless, eventually we'll get to 34. That t- That's too many thoughts, probably. That's a long podcast. Yeah, that would be. That's tough for you. Sorry. It's two more thoughts. Um, But I did want to ask, when was... The last time things felt like they were going this well for the Vancouver Canucks. The year was 2021. In Edmonton, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. 2020. No. Yeah. Really? Are you Like the North Division year was 2021. Yeah. 2020 was the bubble year where you were like man, the, that, the playoffs. Man, that whole thing felt like a that was like one Honestly, big thing. you pick a year and I'd be like, maybe that's yeah, it. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, whenever the bubble was. Like the playoff bubble. Yeah. Yeah. That well, was late 2020. We were all stuck inside. No hope. Uh, frustrated. No hope. Tiger <laughs> King was was sweeping the nation, and the vibes were groovy around the Vancouver Canucks. JT Miller was screaming the starting lineup. We still had Tequila Tanev on the team. Remember those days? Yeah, things were uh... – Tyler Toffoli was on the team. Right before an offseason where things did not go uh... – Like nothing happened. Literally, they didn't do anything. They just let people walk. Oh, in the offseason? Yeah. And yeah, it brought in Nate Schmidt. Remember when Nate Schmidt was on the Vancouver Man, Canucks? Man, that feels like forever. That was odd. So before that time. Yes. That's the last so, time the vibes were groovy, this groovy. I would say, like, it's, it is it is hard to compare to, like, playoff. Like, any team that's in the playoffs. It's hard to compare vibes of regular season to a you playoff. You want to talk regular season? If we're talking regular season, 2013. I don't even know if it's 2013. Yeah, it is 2013. Because in 2013, you were like, oh, like, well, maybe like you got torts and like, hey, maybe you can. They're going up against. Uh, you got the, the flames. Sedin. Horvat's kind of making his debut. Redeem for Bada was lighting the world on fire. Weirdly, really good. You know, um, JT Miller was a. Uh, but the thing about 2013 is, I almost feel like people were like, oh, this is like the end of an era. You know what I mean? Yeah, so and you don't in, you don't have the aspirations that maybe this team does, where it's like, we we know that some years of Patterson and Hughes were maybe misused, but regardless, they're they're still very young, and so, so you look at it and you're like, this is the beginning of something. Two thousand eight. I mean, when we were losing to the Blackhawks every year, like that might be the most comparable year. We had young Kessler, in terms of like development yeah. stage i guess like 2011 the things were going better than they are now for the yeah. Canucks. so i would say like 2012 2013 is probably maybe you're right 2012 2013 is probably the 
the last time things felt like maybe I'm over exaggerating how things how well things are going right now. Oh, but they're going very well, buddy. They were going very well. Five, two, and one through eight games. Especially relative to like the the thing that makes this feel better. The Calgary Flames losing. Calgary Flames losing, but also the past two seasons, three seasons really, have been such a mess that you're you every year you go in, you're like, hopefully they're good, but also like, ah, they might be bad. I don't know. Um, and this year, it, it just feels different to start. And the other part of it, you look at every part of the organization, the prospects, Hunter Brustevich is leading in points in the OHL. A defenseman, a right-handed defenseman, is leading in points for the – he's like, a Canucks prospect is doing really well right now. Jonathan Lekaramaki, I believe, is tied for the lead in goals in the SHL right now or is at least very up there. I think he has eight in uh, to start the season there. Tom Willander is looking decent as well. That's It's harder to kind of get an update on that, but he's not he's not looking bad, that's for sure. Um, so those prospects are doing well. We'll have to see how that continues, but it's like there's not really any bad signs on the prospect front right now. And then in the AHL, the Abbotsford Canucks, Arshdie Baines is leading the AHL in points. That's a guy who you just like picked up for free. And he's doing great things in the AHL right now. I don't know. It's hard to know if he'll get a shot in the NHL this season. But regardless, every single facet of the Canucks organization seems to be clicking at the moment. And if you're a Canucks fan, and I think it's natural for almost any fan of any team in any league to do you're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop a little bit but I think it's also okay to just soak it in for now live in the good vibes while they're happening and hope that they continue for as long as possible and maybe this is a a sign of things to come maybe this is the start of something that fans can really buy into. And I know uh, I was listening to Canucks talk on my way in. I know we got a lot of texts on the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line that like casual fans and people that have kind of fallen off the bandwagon, maybe they're not all bought in yet, but I think people around Vancouver are starting to buy into the hype a little bit. Hardcore fans are starting to believe in this team and what they can be. And that's really, really exciting because in the end, look, you can be a dire fan of a team, but it's always more fun when the entire city or the entire fan base is completely bought into what's going on. And that's still going to take some time because, look, we all know the issues the Canucks have had in the past few years, and it takes some time to dig out of that hole. But that being said, this is all very, very encouraging for the Canucks, and it's uh, hopefully, hopefully a sign of things to come. It is the People Show. Josh Elliott Wolf here with Dominic Shermatty. Uh, you can text in 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, I did want to get into um, some numbers as well because I was digging into some stats because in the past few games, I think the defense has looked really, really good, and it's been really, really encouraging. Um, so I kind of want to – I want to do two Canucks pros and maybe a con just to like – bring it down a little bit not just so i'm not overly positive not to bring it down completely why would we want to do that i, I don't know we haven't had enough reasons what to is this positive. canucks talk yeah 
this is my five minutes of negativity on the people show. Um, okay, so we'll start with the pro. I was mentioning the defense. Their defense and the structure, especially in the last four games, has been working. And I know it's a small sample size. It's like it's four games, but that's also half the season right now. It's hard to hard to grade completely. But if we look at the advanced stats, which a lot of like a lot of uh that's what a lot of Canucks Twitter will point at if you want to look at signs for negativity around the team of like, hey, maybe these underlying stats point to them not being able to carry this on throughout the season and and they're maybe getting a little lucky right now. If you look at the last four games, their expected goals for percentage, which is just kind of the the amount of chances they're creating and surrendering their expected goals for percentage is 56.92 which is good enough for third in the nhl which is great behind the oilers who are at 62.63 in their last four games and the hurricanes in their last four games 57.32 but they find themselves ahead of teams like the dallas stars the la kings the new jersey devils colorado avalanche i can go on there are 29 other teams that I didn't mention in the NHL. The Canucks are above all of them right now. That's a really encouraging sign. Because I think, again, you look at the first four games and there were signs of concern in those games. I'm not trying to dismiss that at all. But it really feels like the team did turn a corner and is completely bought into, maybe it's what Rick Taka is trying to do, but I think it's just the overall structure of of what this coaching staff entirely is trying to do. Uh, so that's the expected goals for percentage. Expected um, goals against, by the way, just their defense is best in the NHL. Expected goals against per 60 in the last four games, 1.68. Less than 1.7 goals per game expected against them. That is incredible. The next closest team is over two. That just goes to show how good the Canucks have been in these last four games. Um, and their shooting percentage, hey, I've, I've heard the talk about that as well. It's a little high, third in the NHL in the last four games. That's something that will level out, and there are still kind of some concerns about their offense that maybe I'll get into in the con part of two pros and a con. But I'm really, really encouraged by what the Canucks are doing on defense. Not only the team as a whole on defense, but specific pairs as well. We've heard a lot about Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick. They still, in 113 minutes at 5-on-5, five five, have not allowed a goal against. They have 8 goals for, 0 against. If we want to look at the expected goals for percentage, they're 55.2. High danger chances for, 52.08. They have been great this year. And I know there's been some talk about, like, hey, like, the longevity of this, like, it, do you have to question it? Because realistically, the Canucks, maybe ideally, and maybe it's not ideal, but I think theoretically going into the year, a lot of people thought, hey, you would have Hughes with someone on his right side. Doesn't really matter who because he's Quinn Hughes and he's going to figure it out. And then you will play Philip Peronik on the second pair so that you have two pairs who can really control play. Um, but what we've seen from this, this pairing has just been incredible. And... Again, I think in the first four games, that's when you could have looked at it and been like, hey, you got to spread out the wealth a little bit because these guys, while they're doing really good, the rest of the team was kind of getting caved in and it, there were some concerns about the bottom two pairs. 
But now you look at the the new pair of Ian Cole and Mark Friedman, who like I don't know how long this is gonna last. Again, I'm trying to trying to keep everything glass half full right now because I'm loving the vibes and things are going really well if you're a Canucks fan. Ian Cole, Mark Friedman, and just over 41 minutes played together at five on five have also not allowed a goal against while on the ice together have an expected goals for percentage of 72.55%. That is crazy. Just to reiterate Hughes and Hronik who have also played almost three times as much. So that plays a part are at 55.2. I think I heard Drant say on Canucks talk that, for pairings over 30 minutes played together, Ian Cole and Mark Friedman are second in the NHL for expected goals for percentage. It's just like, I, I have no idea how they've been playing this well, but keep it going for as long as possible. High danger chances for percentage, 70.59. Really, really encouraging for Ian Cole and Mark Friedman. And, like, I'm not saying Mark Friedman is a top four defenseman. What I will say, though, is... I think this is evidence that when a team goes into each game with a solid idea of what they're trying to do and who they're trying to be, even guys like Mark Friedman, who had not even played a full season of NHL games in his career for a guy in his late 20s, can have success when playing within that structure. And so when we look at the defense pairings, and I know people still kind of – maybe want to look at changing changing it up and seeing if you can find someone else to play with Quinn Hughes. I say you let this ride for as long as possible until it becomes evident that you have to change it. Because for now, like again, Freeman and Cole are having no issues as a second pairing. And that could change. Like I'm not saying Cole and Friedman are going to be elite second pairing defensemen all season. But while the going is good, keep it going. Because you don't know how long you're going to be able to ride this. So might as well make the most of it. Like, if you don't have to make changes, don't make changes. That's kind of the the attitude I'm going into this with. And then Carson Soucy and Tyler Myers, I think, have been an adequate third pair. But just, like, the defense as a whole, the structure as a whole, that's going to be my first pro. I think that's been really, really good for the Canucks. Uh, 650-650. Dunbar Lumber Text Line, Marcus Gibson's West Playoff Bar is set at 82 points at the moment. East is 102 points. It's still early, but is the West going to be easier to get into the playoffs? That leads into my next pro, actually. Dom, you mentioned it. The Calgary Flames have been cheeks this year. Oh, that's a good saying. Yeah. I almost said something worse, and then I was like, wait, censor yourself, Josh. Radio. Uh, Calgary Flames have been just dog water this year. They have been atrocious. Cheeks. Cheeks, Cheeks. Cheeks is probably the best word. Um, Cheeks. Yeah. The Kraken have also been not as cheeky, but kind of cheeky. Uh, they have one more point in the same amount of games. Nine games played for them. They have six points. Flames are at five points. Um, to Marcus and Gibson's point, like, these were two teams that I thought were going to be, again, directly competing with – are you guys still getting over the cheeky thing? You went from cheeks to cracking. Oh, dude. Elite radio. 
<laughs> anyway, the Seattle Kraken. Regardless, regardless, the Kraken and the Flames were supposed to be very close to where the Canucks were um, this season, in my mind. Like, I looked at them as direct competition. Again, like the Blues and like the Predators, like I mentioned earlier, for teams that would be directly competing with the Canucks for that final wildcard spot, or if you were uh, very hopeful on what the Canucks could do this season, maybe when you look at the Flames and Kraken, maybe you were looking at that third Pacific Division playoff spot. Um, And because those teams have been so bad, the bar is kind of lowered for what the Canucks need to do from here on out. And I'm not saying they should ease off the gas at all because, look, teams are going to catch up, teams are going to get hot, whatever. And I don't think any NHL team is going to ease off the gas ever, so it's kind of a moot point. But I do think that's a that's a very big pro for the Canucks is you have some breathing room now. You have a bit of a buffer where if you do reach a point in the season where you're not clicking like you are right now, you don't have to be as worried about the Calgary Flames catching up to you or the Seattle Kraken catching up to you. Um, and it just feels like the Pacific Division is wide open for the Canucks this year. I do think there will be a certain, again, point of leveling out for every team in the division. I do think the Oilers are going to get good. I think they're going to be in one of the top three spots in the Pacific Division, if not a wild card. Like, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. But these games still count. The Canucks are putting a big enough gap between them and the other teams and with how they're playing right now, it feels like they should be able to continue to build on that over the next few weeks. Like you have a you have a very winnable game against San Jose coming up on Thursday in San Jose. You play the Predators tomorrow, and we saw what the Canucks did to the Preds last week. Maybe it's a revenge game for Nashville, but the Canucks have shown what they can do against them. It just feels like it feels almost like the Canucks can go into any game now and be and meet a baseline. And I think that's what fans were hoping for all season, or all off-season, sorry, is like just a certain level of baseline that this team can meet night in and night out. And because there were like it, because it feels like they're able to do that now, you're more confident not only game to game, but in what the team can do this season as a whole. Um, if we're going to look at a con, can I bring it down a notch, uh, Dom? Is that allowed? Get a little sad for a second. Go ahead. The bottom six cannot score. And that's a little concerning. But I will say, to, to make the con a pro, I do think it's going to start coming around soon. Connor Garland being added into the top six again when McKayev got back, I think has just kind of fit everybody into a where they're supposed to be in the Canucks lineup. He's driving play on that third line. I do think... That's very encouraging. And then Niels Hoaglander, I think, has been one of their best players in the last few games. He's been tenacious tenacious on the forecheck. We saw it on Friday against the Blues. Like he was pissing them off. He was he was making other teams angry. And I think that's what you want from a fourth line guy in Niels Hoaglander. Um and he's also, on top of that, like he's he's creating scoring chances on that fourth line. Do need to see some more converted. Like, we need to see points from Anthony Beauvillier. Pew Suter, I think he's been really good this season in the defensive end and just at anticipating plays and, and being on top of things. But he also, you got to get a point at some, at eventually. And 
that's kind of the only con I can point to with the Canucks right now. But that being said, like these things have a way of leveling out over a season. I just don't want them to get into their own heads and start to force things because they don't have points yet. And that's something that Yannick Hansen talked about on Friday on Canuck Central is like, if you're a if you're a player in the bottom six, top six, wherever, and you haven't scored yet to start a season, it's not the same as going to stretch in the middle of the season. It gets into your head a little bit more as a player if it's at the beginning of the year. Uh, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber Text Line. If PDG is top six, Friedman can totally stay top four for now. That's where I'm at. If someone fits, someone fits. And uh, keep it going for as long as possible. Same with PDG. Eventually, it might stop working, but for now, it's going really well, so keep it going. Um, it is the People Show. Josh Elliott Wolf, voice crack there. Uh, keep your text coming in, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber Text Line. On the other side, we're going to get into some football talk. A lasagna bet update from me and Dom. I was right. Always am. Uh, Jen Mueller of Root Sports is going to join us on the other side as well. Going to get into the Seahawks win yesterday. They also made a trade. We'll get into that. And a lot more. It is the People Show. Josh Elliott Wolf on Sportsnet 650.